In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. In this meditation, we would like to pray to Our Lady of Guadalupe, precisely commemorating the 50th anniversary of St. Josemaria's visit to Our Lady in on Tepeyac Hill in Mexico City on May 16th through the 24th in 1970. He was there for nine days making a novena. And it was a very special time for the church in 1970, St. Josemaria, as you may know, had a very difficult time, very hard time understanding God's will in allowing so many defections in the church after the council and around the council, the Second Vatican Council. And he could not understand how all sorts of people were leaving the church and leaving religious orders, leaving seminaries, leaving the priesthood, divorce, you know. Um, It was a very difficult time for the church, and St. Josemaria would would cry in his Mass, often, for the church. And at some point, he even said he wanted to offer his life for the church. At the same time, he was faced with a very difficult circumstance with regard to the canonical status of Opus Dei in the church, which eventually was resolved on November 28th, 1982, after St. Josemaria died. He died in 1975. But because in 1970 he, he just did not know how to solve this, this issue, because basically it had to do with the relation between Opus Dei and the and, and the diocese that it worked in and, and the church as a whole and what what the relationship is and how it fits within it, how Opus Dei fits within the church. All that was on his mind. And early in May of 1970, I guess by a personal inspiration from his prayer, he just said, I'm going to Mexico. I'm going to pray to Our Lady of Guadalupe. And so it was. They arranged the trip. Um, Blessed Alvaro and um, uh, Father Javier Echeverria, who accompanied him to Mexico on May 14th. And they arrived in the wee hours of the morning at 3 a.m., I believe, in Mexico City on May 15th. And it was was a very difficult trip. They had a layover in Miami. It was was just very tiring, and it was late at night. And and yet, St. Josemaria's desire to go visit Our Lady 
on Tepe Yakhil was was so great that he wanted even to stop by in um, at, at three in the morning. Of course, they couldn't because it was closed, and he was you know he had to basically wait until the following day and so. But still, that desire, that devotion that he had, was was an urgent, pressing desire to lay at her feet all these concerns that he had, especially for the church. And and so from the 16th to the 24th of May 1970, he went and prayed. He prayed three parts of the rosary, and then basically for an hour or two, he would speak out loud to Our Lady. And the first day he was on the steps of the altar, just looking at her. And he was kneeling down on a marble surface for an hour and a half without moving. It was really um, a kind of uh, her son coming to, a son coming to his mother, basically. And, and since so many people started filling the church to pray with him, he the following day they arranged for him to have a a kind of balcony from which he could see our lady our lady's image almost face to face at the same level almost the same level actually i think it was a little higher and they were able to be very close up to the to the image that is of course miraculous because as we know, Juan Diego, it is Juan Diego's tilma, which is his kind of poncho that he wore made out of very poor um, maguey plant um, fibers. And there's no other sample extant right now because this plant fiber fabric decays very quickly. And so the fact that we even have this this, uh, as it's called, tilma, or kind of this poncho that Indians wore and they used to carry things where the image appeared is kind of miraculous in itself besides the fact that it has suffered many, um, an attack in the 1920s. A bomb, for instance, was placed nearby, but it didn't do anything to the image. And also some acid fell on it while they were cleaning it and it didn't deteriorate deteriorate the image at all it only left a little bit of a stain but it doesn't make sense that such um, powerful acid would not have destroyed the whole thing but anyway here is saint jose maria in 1970 coming to our lady begging her as a small child would beg his mother this is probably in my opinion um, one of the, if not the most important, pilgrimage that Saint Jose Maria made in his life. He made many. I could think of one he made to Loreto, uh, which was also very significant in 1951 when he was being persecuted, and and he went to Our Lady of Loreto in Italy. But that was only for a couple of days. This novena was very intense in Mexico. And it was definitely, I think, uh, one of the most important, if not 
the most important that he made in his life, and even the longest that he made in his life. This idea of pilgrimage is is something that exists and has subsisted in the Christian people. Actually, even before that, with the Jewish people, it's kind of a kind of journey of life, like the chosen people who left Egypt and were in the desert for 40 years. And as they go along, they encounter challenges and they encounter God. They encounter opportunities for conversion. They encounter a transformation, you know. And when we go on pilgrimage, maybe we go to a holy shrine, we go to a shrine of Our Lady, or um, as it was in the in medieval times, the Holy Land, you know, uh, to visit the holy sites where Our Lord was and, and lived and preached and died and resurrected. Uh, that's another very kind of famous pilgrimage, or when the Holy Land was not safe to travel to, people started going to the tombs of the apostles, notably either St. Peter's tomb in Rome, or the the tomb of St. James the Apostle, St. James the Greater, which is in Santiago de Compostela in Spain. And even today, you can go on the the path or the way of St. James from wherever you are, and it is you'll find many pilgrims there who do it every single day. And coming from very far away, they walk or they go by horse or by bicycle or or however they can, and they do so in order to to be transformed in mind and body, and and to ask the apostle or the saint, in the case of St. Jose Maria here in 1970, of Our Lady, for a change of life, for a, a conversion, uh, for many people, for oneself and for many people, really. This is what a pilgrimage is about. And St. Jose Maria always recommended that in the month of May, we make a pilgrimage which consisted in praying three parts of the rosary. Of course, there were only three sets of mysteries back then after St. John Paul added a fourth set of mysteries, the luminous mysteries. You can even pray four parts, but uh, the custom that St. Maria followed was always to pray one part on the way to the shrine, another part with the litany at the shrine, and then another one on the way back, offering some kind of small mortification. But here, when he went in 1970, he prayed all three parts, and he stayed even longer than that, praying out loud with a an improvised prayer that was picked up by uh, then Father Javier Echeverria, who later became Bishop Javier Echeverria and successor of St. Maria after Blessed Alvaro. And he wrote everything down. And so there is an account of what he said throughout those nine days. And... Um, St. Maria really was, was going, I would say, as a, as a beggar, you know, and I think the figure of Juan Diego here is very, very appropriate for us to consider because, as we know, Juan Diego, the Indian, the native Indian from the... the city of Tenochtitlan, 
he was the chosen one for by our lady to to receive this message this grace that she brought to build a temple on Tepeyac Hill and Juan Diego who was who was a very humble native he was commissioned by our lady to go and take this message to the bishop uh, who was a Franciscan in Mexico City his name was Sumarraga and and so Juan Diego being obedient to, uh, to this apparition of our lady he went and delivered the message but of course I mean if you if I guess if you're a bishop and you get this message the first thing is like well I, I need a sign or I need something I mean I can't just uh, erect a temple immediately I, I mean I need to think about it right and so Juan Diego was a little bit distraught and he was a little bit um, I would say disappointed and and demoralized deflated by this response that he went back to Our Lady and he he kind of wanted to get out of it you know and he says look I am I'm nothing I'm just a little I'm a leaf he says or I'm a, a little rope I'm a nobody you know I'm sure somebody else could go somebody else that that uh, is more important than than I am somebody who could definitely be believed to deliver this message because basically this mission is too big for me and Juan Diego with all that uh, of course he's not able to convince Our Lady so basically Our Lady says I have many people many ambassadors many messengers many servants who could deliver this message who are definitely yes more important than you higher in the social ladder than you but it doesn't matter what I want is that you deliver this message it is very important that you deliver this message I earnestly implore you she says and with sternness I command you that you, a, again you go tomorrow to see the bishop you go in my name and make known my wish and it's in, in its entirety that he has to start the erection of a temple which I ask of him and again tell him that I in person the ever virgin holy Mary mother of God sent you so get a load of that you know go deliver the message you know and and so Juan Diego goes and um, or, or he's he, you know he's going to go and and so on but his we know the story the, the his uncle gets ill and so he deviates from the path and he wants to take care of his uncle to bring him a priest so that he can die in peace and and our lady kind of cuts him off and um and kind of um meets him on the side of the mountain on the side of the hill and and kind of plays a little bit dumb it's like oh um, Juan Diego, you know, nice to see you here, you know, and, and, and Juan Diego says, oh, my lady, nice to see you here too as well, you know, <laughs> and there's a little funny dialogue, a very polite dialogue of Juan Diego being kind of very, um, very polite to our lady, not wanting to reveal that he has this great need for his uncle and and our lady basically says 
to Juan Diego. Juan Diego, am I not here who am your mother? Am I, are you not in the, in the fold of my arms? Are you not under my protection? What else could you possibly need? Go now and, and fulfill my, my command. And so, and so he goes, you know. So this is the, the humble native who is trying to get out of his mission. And I think that's the point that I want to make here, that he wants to get out because he doesn't think himself worthy. And, and Our Lady teaches him to trust. And that really holiness is not about how big we are humanly. What it's all about is, well, holiness means allowing God to do in you great things. Not necessarily you being a, you know, a, an infallible and a very powerful person. Cardinal Ratzinger has an article that he wrote on the occasion of Saint Jose Maria's uh, canonization where he talks about this heroic virtue of saints, you know, and, and he wrestles with the word heroic. He doesn't like it because it sounds too too uh, out of touch from reality, you know, these heroes, you know, who's a hero? Well, not everybody can be a hero. Only very special people can be heroes, you know. And he says, heroic virtue does not mean that the saint works out a gymnastics of holiness that ordinary people could not tackle. It means instead that God's presence is revealed in the life of a person. It is revealed when the person could do nothing by himself or for himself. Heroic virtue does not actually mean that someone has done great things by himself, but that situations arise in his life independently of anything he has done. He was simply transparent or, and available for God's work. Or in other words, being holy is nothing other than speaking with God as a friend speaks to a friend. That is holiness. And this is a great lesson for us when we actually make a pilgrimage, when we go to Our Lady humbly, we are recognizing, you know what, I need help. When I, when there's a primacy in my life of faith over reason, of the supernatural over the natural, and I put really all the created things in the world and all my talents and all my abilities and all my possibilities and all my my power and my money and everything else that I have in order to be able to solve all these problems that I'm in that that I face when I realize that those things do not really solve anything they are means and when I turn to God and ask for help in order to be able to be enlightened with my mind supernaturally, then, then I can solve those things. Or then God will solve, will, will solve those things, yes, through me and my hard work and everything else, but it is God that has to be part of the equation. That's why St. Maria would always say, you know, 2 plus 2, yes, equals 4, but in every equation, there's somehow another factor that needs to be taken into account, which is 2 plus 2 plus God. Well, that the result is something very different than just 4, you know. There's going to be 
something else. There's going to be, yes, it's going to be for to the human eyes, but it's going to be full of charity, full of love. There's some other consideration there that is going to help us actually bring God here down below into into our world and into the world of the people around us. And that's what's going to help people convert. And so when we go to Our Lady as children, we are putting things in in their place, in the right place, and God in the highest place. That's the important thing. When uh, Juan Diego, obviously, when he decides to then go, Our Lady gives him a sign. We know what the sign is. It's these flowers, these roses that he is supposed to take to the bishop. And those, those flowers are arranged in the tilma by Our Lady, the tilma of Juan Diego, by Our Lady, so that he would carry these roses with him and then spill them out kind of, you know, in the presence of, uh, drop them in the presence of the bishop. And and it is there that Our Lady appears, you know, on the tilma, her image, which is the very image we have now. Well, St. Maria saw himself as this instrument and he he realized that he was nobody that he was just a child and that he had to beg and that's why he went at the feet of our lady guadalupe now what did saint jose maria actually pray about what did he what were his words we have some of those words published and I'll read these beautiful words of Saint Rosa Maria, which can help us with our prayer to be very childlike and to approach Our Lady whenever we want to. It makes me so happy, he says to Our Lady, to be able to contemplate the Mother, or he says in the presence of Our Lady, to contemplate the Mother of God and our Mother physically with my eyes and with my understanding and my heart too. She is always attentive to her children. She lived and she lives. To give peace, happiness, and fortitude to others. We have come here with the utmost confidence to beg, to beg and to feel how much we are God's children, because she is God's mother. Have you seen how people run after a celebrity, a queen, for instance? They get all excited because they have seen her pass by. And if she so much as glances at them, they're filled with a joy they wouldn't exchange for anything in the world. And they tell the whole story over and over again. People run after earthly celebrities, and you, my mother, you are the queen of heaven and earth. We come here full of love, although on occasions it seems we can't think of anything to say to you. And you are, I repeat, our mother, the queen, who can do everything, I recommend that all of us, at this moment especially, relive our childhood and to recall, as I do quite clearly, try your hardest, if you need to, to remember the first time you turned to Our Lady knowing what you were doing and wanting to do just that. Pray now with the self-same trust, using it, if necessary, the child-like, devout prayers that you learned from your mother's lips. 
In Spain some time ago, probably now as well, they used to say, pray to Mary. When the month of May came around, everybody took her flowers. I did too, just like these wonderful Mexicans. Our Lady, now I bring you thorns, for I have nothing else, the thorns that are in my heart. But I am sure that through you they can be changed into roses. How many children of mine from all over the world will be bringing you flowers today? And they will join me with this petition of mine, which I present to you with such sorrow. Please answer us soon. Hurry. Here in this Mexico so blessed by, so blessed by you, where such splendid roses grow all year round, that physical details gives us yet another motive to talk to you and to beg you to make it happen that, in us too, in our hearts, little roses should be in bloom all year round. The blooms of our ordinary, everyday life, but rich with the scent of sacrifice and love. I said little roses on purpose, because they suit me better, as all my life I have only known how to busy myself with normal, ordinary things, and often I have not managed to finish even those off properly. But I am certain that it is in this everyday, normal behavior that your son and you are waiting for me. Recalling now that first time in my childhood when I, love, I knowingly rendered you homage, it is easier for me, my mother, to take your hand boldly and trustingly. I am doing the same now as I did then. Although in the gallery of this church I am physically higher than you, you know what I mean because I know very well that I am made of poor quality tin and what happens is that the dross always floats. It comes up to the surface easily while the good stuff, the gold, is hidden underneath, serving as the base and the foundation. I am sorry, mother. I'm only talking like this because I want to beg you to see me, to look upon me. Here I am because you can, because you love. Well, this is just an excerpt from that long prayer of his that lasted basically nine days. But we see how St. Jose Maria is really a child before his mother. And for us, what can we learn? We can learn that nothing is impossible for God, nothing. And that Our Lady, if we turn to her, she will always intercede for us. And that's why, well, this month of May could be a good moment to make a pilgrimage to entrust what I would call insolubles to Our Lady, you know, and think big. Think of cures, the people in your family. Think of conversions. Think of vocations. Think of vices that are so ingrained in people's lives, maybe people you know or maybe in, in your own soul, that, you know, it really only the intervention of God and grace can help us to transform all that. Well, that's why we go to Our Lady. Ask and you shall receive. We need to go with the same confidence that our Lord tells us to really ask, you know. Same as Mary writes in the way, Mother, call her with a loud voice. She is listening to you. She sees you in danger, perhaps. And she, your Holy Mother Mary, offers you 
along with the grace of her son, the refuge of her arms, the tenderness of her embrace, and you will find yourself with added strength for the new battle. That's what this is all about. That when we turn to Mary, well, before, by yourself, you couldn't. St. Maria says, now you've turned to Our Lady, and with her, how easy, how easy it is when we confidently put everything at her feet and let her do, and then we just get out of the way. And, and, and really we recognize our place as beggars before God and that she has to supply everything else because otherwise, you know, we have nothing. Well, let us um, end our prayer today by confidently turning to her on this 50th anniversary of St. Josemaria's pilgrimage. May she answer our prayers the way she answered his for the church, for all our families, and for all the intentions that we come to beg her for. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.